Welcome to Sane Split, a podcast about staying sane when relationships end. I am AJ Jakubowska, family law lawyer and mediator. Just like you, I'm human. I understand what can happen when people separate. Lots of questions swirling around like confetti. Lots of uncertainty, perhaps anger, disappointment, or even pain. Sleepless nights, shallow breathing. Will I ever be happy again? Will the kids be okay? How much is all this going to cost? All of these questions are human and you're not alone. This podcast features my thoughts about separation and my interviews with other humans who help people when their relationships end. People who assist with legal issues, who mediate, who look after hearts and minds, and even after the pocketbook. People who might help you plan your future. What you will hear is not legal advice. These are dialogues primarily about the human aspect of separation. We will try to stay away from legal lingo. It's humans talking to humans. I hope that something you hear will help you navigate your way to a sane split. Welcome and thanks for tuning in. COVID-19 has affected every aspect of our daily lives, from the way we work to the way we play and so much more. It's also affected the conduct of a typical family law case. Both the justice system, including the courts and lawyers, have had to adapt very quickly to the rapid changes that have come about. Changes in the way we have contact and communications with our clients, in the way we proceed through the various steps in a family law case, including the gathering of evidence, and of course, the way family courts are now handling their work, assisting people facing family law issues. The pandemic has also affected alternative ways of resolving disputes. And here I'm talking about family mediation, for example. In the before times, as they are sometimes called now, I would conduct mediations in person in the mediation space I have specifically designed for that purpose. I would meet with the parties and sometimes their lawyers around a large table and we would uh, have discussions and I would mediate through direct dialogue between the parties by talking to them and their lawyers. Occasionally, we would go into caucus, which means I would physically go into a breakout room with a party and their lawyer and have a one-on-one discussion. Today, my mediation space is quiet, but I do go in there regularly to water my beloved orchids. Today, I conduct mediations by Zoom, and so do many of my colleagues. All communications and the negotiations themselves are conducted virtually with people appearing on computer screens. Yes, we have virtual breakout rooms, but they don't have any orchids in them, I'm afraid. They are, however, a substitute, the best we have right now, for the physical breakout rooms of the before times. 
Many Ontarians wonder how family law cases are being handled by family courts and by lawyers these days in the midst of the pandemic, and I receive many questions around these topics. I thought you, my listeners, may have some of the same questions. So on today's show, I will share with you some basic information about family law by Zoom. This is the title of the show. In March of 2020, as the virus began spreading across the world and began affecting not only Ontario, but the entire country, Ontario courts took decisive steps to limit the spread of the virus, and they shut down. Many people misunderstood what that actually meant. Many were under the impression that the courts were not functioning at all, but that was never the case. For our purposes, let's talk about family courts. They did not cease to operate. Rather, the courthouses, the physical locations themselves, were closed, again, to limit the spread of the virus. I vividly recall being in court at a settlement conference on the afternoon of the last day before the physical courts were shut down. And I must tell you, it was a pretty eerie feeling because, of course, we received advance notice that the courts would be closed as of a particular day. So mine was one of the last matters that a judge in Newmarket Court presided over on the afternoon uh, in an actual courtroom before the court shut down. So back to the point about the misunderstanding about the courts not being operational. That was never the case. Family courts in Ontario have operated throughout the pandemic and since the initial shutdown. Initially, they operated on a reduced basis, meaning that only emergency issues were being handled by family court judges as the administration was getting itself organized and putting in place the right mechanisms and procedures to ensure that they were meeting Ontarians' needs. And as time went on, the operations expanded to include, of course, what today we consider the default approach, which is that hearings are currently conducted virtually, meaning by Zoom, or by telephone conference call. But Zoom is far more common these days. And when I say hearings in the family law context, this includes conferences and also motions and even trials. In fact, the conduct of a family law case has changed a fair bit even for us family law lawyers. On the most basic level, our meetings with our clients are virtual. At least mine are, and many of my colleagues practice the same way. So from the very beginning, I'm getting to know my client over the computer screen rather than in person. I'm getting to know their case, the facts, and the evidence virtually as well. Of course, we have not done away with paper, but most lawyers have suspended in-person contact with their clients 
and with other lawyers. Other steps taken in a typical family law case, which were conducted in person in the before times, are now being taken virtually. And here, one good example of what I'm talking about here is the process of posing questions to witnesses under oath outside of the court, which in the family law context is called questioning. Most people are familiar with the word depositions, likely from U.S. TV programs. In Canada, we also use the terms discovery or cross-examination. But in the family law context, again, it's questioning. Before the pandemic, the practice was that we would all meet in a physical space, a room, And when I say all, I mean the witness who was going to be questioned and their lawyer and the lawyer who would be doing the questioning and potentially their client as well. We would sit across a table from each other. The questions would be posed live and a reporter would be recording both the questions and the responses. A transcript of all that would then be generated and filed with the court. Clearly, that physical in-person questioning cannot be conducted during the pandemic. And so we lawyers have adapted to the new requirements and questioning now proceeds virtually by Zoom or with the help of a similar platform. So to clarify, rather than physically sit across from the witness being questioned, the lawyer posing the questions now sees the witness on their computer screen and the questioning process, which may take several hours, uh, perhaps even days, proceeds with the questions being posed and the answers being provided by Zoom. There are both pros and cons to the practice of virtual questioning And these are beyond the scope of what I want to cover today. One way or another, it's the reality we face in 2021. And I'm expecting fully that this virtual questioning will be our new normal for the foreseeable future. Let me spend some time on actual hearings, because I know from practical experience with my own clients, but also based on questions posed to me by the public, that this understandably causes some anxiety for people who are going to have a hearing in their family law case and simply don't know what to expect. Let me touch again on what hearings I'm talking about. And I'm using this word hearings to refer to all court attendances, although some of my colleagues would argue that only motions and trials are actual hearings, conferences or not. I'm not going to debate that point right now. Let's use the word hearings in this episode to refer to all attendances before family court. So that includes conferences, motions and trials. Think of a Zoom get-together you had with your family members or friends or an organization to which you belong. The Zoom link was shared in advance by 
email or in some other way. At the appointed date and hour, everybody clicked on the link and all the participants appeared on the screen. A Zoom hearing will begin in a very similar way. Your lawyer will receive a link to the Zoom hearing from the court and make arrangements for, for you to have that link as well. On the scheduled date and at the specific time, you and your lawyer will join the Zoom hearing, which will be administered by a member of the court staff who will ensure that everybody is in attendance, that their microphones are activated, and then the judge will appear on the screen as well and will conduct the hearing itself. All of the participants in the hearing appear on the screen. They are visible, but most of the time only the person actually speaking is unmuted. So yes, you will be visible, and I have a couple of more words to say about that in a minute or two. How the hearing unfolds really depends on what is before the court on that particular day, which is a fancy way of saying what is the court dealing with that day? What type of hearing is it? If it's a conference, like a settlement conference or a case conference, that type of attendance will be much less formal and there will be a lot more dynamic dialogue between the judge, the lawyers, and even sometimes the parties themselves. I mean, the parties won't be talking to one another during the Zoom attendance, but may occasionally be asked a question by the judge or prompted by their own lawyer to provide information to the judge in response to a question. Motions are much more scripted. There is a sequence in which the lawyers address the court. Again, a motion is a type of hearing at which the judge, after reading evidence and hearing submissions, is expected to make a decision about an issue or multiple issues in dispute. The parties serve each other and file with the court paper material, evidence in writing in the form of affidavits and other documents. The lawyers may also submit factums, which are documents containing a statement of fact and law. And then the lawyers make submissions in turn. Generally speaking, the lawyer of the party who brought the motion will get to go first and make submissions first. The other lawyer then responds by way of their own submissions. And then the lawyer for the party who brought the motion has an opportunity to make a reply. Again, this is a more formal process. And how it actually unfolds is within the presiding judge's discretion. What I've given you is a general overview of a typical motion. Before the pandemic, we would all be in the same courtroom at the same time, including the judge at the dais and the lawyers sitting with their clients at separate tables, taking turns to make 
submissions and answering the judge's questions. Now, all this happens on the screen in the context of a Zoom meeting. A similar process unfolds at a case conference, for example, except here the sequence is not as scripted. Although typically the lawyer for the party who initiated the conference gets to speak first, but there are many instances at which the presiding judge may prefer to hear from the lawyers on specific issues in turn in a specific sequence. And again, the exchanges are much more dynamic. The other important point to make about conferences is that unlike motions, they involve potential negotiations and possibly settlement discussions, including based on the judge's comments, recommendations, or even directions. In the before days, the lawyers and their clients would often leave the courtroom to conduct such negotiations using conference rooms at the courthouse, for example. We don't have that luxury these days, but in the context of a Zoom hearing, court staff can create breakout rooms, virtual rooms, that is, and they are very frequently used to give the parties and their lawyers an opportunity to have private discussions. And sometimes the judge even speaks to the lawyers alone in a separate breakout room. This is all to maximize chances of settlement at the conference of all of the issues, or at least some of the issues. So the courts have adapted, the lawyers have adapted, and as time goes on, handling virtual hearings has become easier for everyone involved. I am a big fan of one-on-one contact between human beings because we communicate with each other, not just through language, but in many other ways. If I had a choice, I would select a physical in-person meeting every time. And I also prefer to mediate in person. But there are many pros, many positives about virtual court hearings and also virtual mediation. For one, travel time is eliminated and importantly, geography is no longer an obstacle to your accessing, for example, a mediator of your choice who may live in another town. I could be mediating for two parties who live in different towns from each other and from me. The same applies to court hearings. In the before days, if I was retained by a client who lived in Sudbury, for example, I had to physically travel to Sudbury for any court hearings related to that matter. Now I connect to the court at that location via Zoom. I want to go back briefly to a comment I made earlier about the fact that you will be visible on the screen while a family court hearing is being conducted. I say this based on the assumption that you are linking to the Zoom hearing on your own, as opposed to, for example, 
sitting at your lawyer's office with you both appearing on a single screen. But that is much less common these days, and even then, you would be visible to the judge. Some people ask, what should I wear? Where should I sit? These are both very good and very important questions, particularly if this is your first virtual hearing. The way I approach this is to think, what would I be wearing to court in the before days? What would my client be wearing to court? How would they conduct themselves? Surely, you would wear something appropriate for the occasion, not a top with a bare midriff and not track pants, definitely not pajamas. You would not look disheveled or the way you do when you first get out of bed. You may think I'm joshing here, joking, but I'm not. Sadly, I have participated in several court attendances by Zoom where one of the parties, uh, how shall I put it, did not spend as much time on their clothing and grooming as they should have before they appeared on the screen. My suggestion is that you sit upright, not slouched on a couch, face the screen directly, and if at all possible, don't walk around the house with your laptop as you are listening to what is going on in your case, and definitely not if you are answering a question posed to you by the judge. You wouldn't be walking around the physical courtroom in the before days in that situation. So why would you be doing that just because it's a hearing by Zoom? I understand and appreciate that there are situations in which access to technology may be a problem, or you may even have difficulty finding a private space. So... Sometimes, when they have no choice, people link into Zoom hearings from their car. But that should only happen in exceptional circumstances. And I strongly encourage you to discuss with your lawyer if you anticipate having any difficulties in linking to the hearing from a space where you can hear what is going on and from which you can Conduct a private dialogue with your lawyer, if necessary, in a breakout room. Being a party to a family court case is very stressful to begin with. I understand that. Part of the job of a typical family law lawyer is to prepare their client for hearings, including by explaining what is likely to happen and how the hearing might unfold from a practical perspective. Going to court for the first time is often very stressful for many people, including because it's the unknown, something you are perhaps experiencing for the first time. For some, virtual court attendances mean an extra element of stress. You should feel comfortable talking to your lawyer about your anxiety and any concerns you may have. 
and having them walk you through what is expected to unfold. Family court judges in Ontario have adapted amazingly well to the new realities of presiding over family law cases over the last year. I expect, as do many of my colleagues, that some of the advances we have made over the last year are here to stay, and I suspect some types of hearings will always be virtual going forward. I hope my talk today was of help to you in navigating your way to a sane split. Thank you for listening. I hope you will tune in again. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach me through my website, separationinontario.com. Subscribing to the podcast through your favorite app will make future episodes available to you automatically. Signing off for now.